There's a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 3rd of December 2009. For all the newcomers out there, I advise you to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and scroll down, you'll see all the other sites I have up there. Bookmark them for future use because when the big sites go down, that means you can always pull up the latest shows from one of the other sites. And these are the only sites I have up. Anything outside the ones I'm going to mention are not mine. There's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. That's J-E-N-K-N-E-S-S.com. There's cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca. There's Alan Watts cutting through the matrix.ca and there's Alan Watts sentient sentinel.eu. The last one is a European site, has all the same audios for download as the rest, but it's the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given, a lot of the shows for download and prints up. Uh, and these are written in the various languages of Europe. And always I tell the people that you bring me to you, you are the listeners. No one supports me here. I'm not backed by any particular political organization or foundation. I'm not selling uh, big products for any particular reason. The only things I have for sale are on the website. That's the books I've, I've written and the CDs and DVDs I've made. So it's up to you to purchase them or keep me going by donating to me. Very important. Uh, and I have to keep reminding people because it's always the same people who do it over and over again. And some of them drop out too because they, they come on hard times like so many people are going through hard times right now, losing jobs across the, across the U.S. and Canada and elsewhere. And it's up to the newcomers to do their bit as well. Because believe you me, uh, nothing really is free. Anything that's really free has no, an alternate agenda. It's like television, all the ads on TV are the main reason that the shows are on, that you're enjoying. And it's meant to sell stuff, sell products. The ads on this show go directly from advertisers to RBN station to broadcast this talk. And it pays for their staff and their equipment and their, their, their airtime and their engineers and so on. And that's how things work. But it also means that uh, you have to support me as well and keep me going. And you can do it by, as I say, buying that which I have for sale or donating. And personal check is good from the U.S. to Canada and within Canada. You can also use international postal money orders from the U.S. to Canada. Get me a post office. It's got to be international when you ask for that. And you can also use Western Union or MoneyGram, and some people send cash. Same outside the Americas, MoneyGram, Western Union, or cash, or PayPal. It's up to you. And you can also order the books I have, uh, or the discs I have, with PayPal as well. Just send me a separate email along with the PayPal order. And... For those of you that just burned and passed to them, and lots of people do at meetings, they don't use computers, they play them on their CD players, you get in touch with me at Alan Watts, 
Saint 41, Box 4, Estere, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P, as in Peter, 3, E, as in Elizabeth, 4, N, as in Nora, 1, P3E4N1. And now that that's out of the way, the only complaint I have, as always, is with ExploreNet for those who are thinking of getting high speed and fall for their advertising. Believe you me, um, once you've, you're signed up and you're locked in with them, they start cutting back your speed like crazy, and they'll never admit to it. They'll have you getting your, your satellite stuff inspected at big bucks over and over before they'll admit you're on a lock. I'll be back with more after this break. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I wonder how many people have noticed uh, that with all the, the hype about global warming and all the supposed solutions that are being uh, bombarded upon the people, of course people will always pay, uh, that the whole flu thing has died down. We're supposed to all be getting cordoned off for quarantine and pandemics breaking out all over the place and people dying and mass burials. And It's amazing that after all the deals were struck with governments across the, the world at the behest of the, the World Trade, the WHO, the United Nations, it's amazing once all the deals were signed and uh, five and six year uh, orders came in from the big pharma companies and they're signed and sealed and delivered basically it's all kind of faded away isn't it isn't that amazing isn't that absolutely amazing and yet the same technique is being used by the special interest groups to do with global warming hype hype terrify the public it's a matter of life and death uh, or, or complete extinction of the species if we don't sign this treaty uh, or, or that's it you know, it's, it's all over if we don't I can remember, what, six months ago, Prince Charles came out and said, if we don't do something within three months, it's all over. And then uh, someone followed it up a few months back, same sort of stuff. And we get the same hype now. It's the, at all these groups that have worked for years and got paid to work for years on the global warming scam. And we also have big business on board with it too, the very big business, because apparently this trading in carbon is going to be bringing more in the stock market, trading all this carbon nonsense, this abstract nothingness. Uh, it's going to be more, twice as much, in fact, as the oil industry. This is what they speculate. At least that's what the propaganda they're giving out right now. So big business is on board with the greening agenda, or the greenies, and the scientists who have been well paid to fudge all their statistics to create the global warming graphs and so on. So it's pretty well going to be a done deal because governments will not backtrack on it now. In fact, they're, they're going to ignore the exposés of the scandal that's broken out and everyone else knows about. Because so much money, big business, and a whole world agenda is riding on the outcome of this. It's like World War One. World War One, uh, they, they found that um, the German uh, Kaiser had ordered massive uh, railway expansions for an upcoming war should one happen 
and when uh, the Archduke Ferdinand was killed by a terrorist uh, it was decided to go to war but it wasn't fully committed to except for the fact that everything all the train schedules were already rescheduled to carry troops and so they couldn't go back on it that's the excuse we're given in history they couldn't go back and say no we won't have the war because they had all this stuff ready to go to war and they couldn't go back since it was all ready to go it's the same with the global warming thing for years they've been planning this whole new economy a, a planned society just to come out of it uh, a whole new way of living not not just stuck at the one pl the pace or the one place they always incrementally change it they know exactly how to take you where they want you to go by increments but once they get this deal signed they'll go all the way to rationing and then all the way to eventually uh, who can breed who will not breed and uh, and then world service you'll be born to serve the, the world state and that's no speculation because I've read the books by the big boys from uh, over a hundred years ago some of them were talking about this this very thing H.G. Wells uh, wrote about uh, the birth of the League of Nations which became the United Nations and he said at last we've got what we wanted now we can bypass governments and use uh, bureaucracies of governments to communicate with each other on the same agendas and the politicians wouldn't even be involved that was about 1919 1920 so they've always had it as a goal to bring in the utopia and Wells again wrote uh, the book A Modern Utopia on behalf of his uh, mentors and his masters because he was a propagandist for the group that planned that planned literally the whole of the 20th century into the 20th first century a group that started off with bankers world lenders not just bankers but world lenders who also were taking over the resources of the planet with Cecil Rhodes and Lord Rothschild and then they merged with Lord Milner who also was an international banker and all the top ones that came on board were international bankers and their sons that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs which is a private organization but again they're given a royal charter by the crown this strange democratic crown idea that uh, Britain has and they formed the Council on Foreign Relations for America for the US and here they go they've got almost what they want because you see under this new deal and it is a new deal uh, of a new way of living with us, of course, being the victims, we are also the, the cause, apparently, of all the pollution. Everyone they say is responsible for it. We're all in it together. You're all responsible for it. What's amazing, these big corporations are going to profit to such a, a fantastic, unbelievable, never dreamed of before extent, as they will, of this. And governments are throwing billions at them to start up all the different companies their green companies and the whole carbon trading business they've already got the banks settled they'll deal with the, the, the transfer and holding of all these carbon credits and of course that's the Rothschild Bank in Switzerland their private one so nothing really changes as the plan goes on 
there's many different interest groups and then of course there's all the fear the fearful people at the bottom that uh, go hysterical because they believe every panic that's given to them and they aid it on they aid it on they, they demand from government they scream to government help us help us save us and they become radical and dangerous as well but of course that's what the big boys want that's what they want they always depend on the fringe group that become petrified uh, because the panic creation is working and then they start doing uh, crazy things which get in the newspaper and that, that also aids their plan as well and here's how it's presented in the, the mail online uh, it's quite interesting to do with the Professor Jones who's only one of them at the, the, the peak of this remember the whole global warming scam started off with one paper one paper then eventually another one followed it so two papers altogether everything was built on these two papers the whole theory is like building a religion which it is uh, on two papers that became uh, like, like the laws of Moses for all the other scientists in the field and they all jumped on board uh, when it became popular amongst governments and by the way that was spread by Margaret Thatcher Margaret Thatcher was the first politician to use and they always get something to use it's like a pop star what's your gimmick what's your shtick as they say they give you some sort of gimmick so you recognize it's always you and with politicians they do the same thing Thatcher had nothing of note in her past when she came to power or was put in and she had a BSc she had a Bachelor of Science in uh, Chemistry she had business uh, businesses of, uh, in um, rated with chemistry she came out with the first diet ice creams what they did was they, they aerosolized the ice cream whipped it up and injected all these air bubbles and so for, for the same price you got half as much ice cream but blown up to look the same size as the old stuff and it was full of air bubbles and, and she was given a great award for that by the business community this idea that's not bad eh so you're getting twice the profit for, for basically half as much ice cream but because of this scientific background she had uh, in chemistry this is well let's find something to do with science because science you can convince people of anything by using science and and she was given the task and someone another lord that came up with the idea uh, why not uh, global warming that was already dreamed up you see by the club of rome so but she jumped on that and was the first one to push it and every meeting she went to she always brought that into it and got it made popular amongst politicians across the world and she was the first one to, get, to put funding into research to do with it but anyway the mail online says professor in climate change scandal helps police with inquiries while researchers call for him to be banned this is, this is Jones and it's December the 3rd it says, uh, the scientist at the heart of the climate change email scandal was today interviewed by police about the scandal. Two plainclothes officers arrived on a marked car, blah, 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 took them to a police headquarters. And then it says later, uh, sources said the interview concerned the theft of the emails from the university and alleged death threats since the contents of the emails were released, adding he was tr being treated as a victim of crime. A victim. This con artist is a victim of crime rather than a suspect in any criminal investigation. This is a guy who took over 30.7 million pounds in grants and wants to change the whole world so that scientists can rule it and we'll all obey. So he's a victim, this, this con man. 
Kinski and many more like him by the way so uh, there you go uh, these good guys are victims in crime quite amazing quite amazing and there's another article too from the Mail Online and it says here don't hold your breath expecting climate change data to be revealed this is all the data that uh, they're supposed to get this is November, uh, December the 2nd by Mike Thornhill I've been following the hacked email story the climate change storm since it first broke those of us who follow websites like Climate Audit that's a good website and other science oriented sites were not surprised people who do although they had no proof until now knew something of the sort had to be going on they knew their freedom of information requests were being blocked at every turn when you get that you've got a mandate and you've got a con going on because scientists are supposed to release their, their information so it could be verified by other scientists. Back with more after this break. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, reading an article from the Mail Online to do with uh, the supposed upcoming presentation of the original data, supposedly, that the global warming stuff was based on. But he says, this, this uh, journalist says, don't hold your breath. And he's talking about the other groups that tried to get this data before and were blocked, like Climate Audit and other science-oriented sites. He says... He says, people who do, uh, although they have no proof until now, knew something this sort had to be going on, meaning scamming. He says, they knew that freedom of information requests were being blocked at every turn. They knew they found it exceedingly difficult to get anything published in academic journals. See, that was an amazing, amazing power came from on high at some position to tell academic journals, don't publish anything that's contrary to, to the warming agenda. And they'd already proved over and over that there were errors with data selection and methods in publications by University of East Anglia scientists and their colleagues. And that's the main one that all the other scientists across the world were basing their, their data on from them. Steve McIntyre, who edits Climate Audit, together with his colleague Ross McKittrick, was responsible for almost single-handedly demolishing the science behind the so-called hockey stick temperature graph, which became such an icon for the global warming catastrophe movement. He has been requesting information from the University of East Anglia for years without success. For years. And what sounds like a turn for the good, it seems to be a victory. It seems to be a victory for increased transparency. The university has now agreed to publish its raw temperature data. Now they already said that they'd lost it or, or, or when they changed from um, some accommodations or something. Uh, they'd lost it all uh, or wiped it out to get more computer space. Yada, yada, yada. But now they've said, oh, they will present it. So I guess they've found it again. This sounds great, but take notice of the qualification to this statement, namely that this will only be after they have received agreement from their associates in other countries who have provided data under restrictive agreements. 
Unfortunately, this has been the major argument used by the University of East Anglia to deny McIntyre and other, others freedom of information and other requests in the past. So they're using the same stunt again. It's the same stunt as saying, well, we can't tell you the truth for reasons of national security that the military does all the time and the politicians do. So the guy says, don't hold your breath waiting for the data to, to come forth. This is... Some countries may refuse permission due to the economic value of the data. That's what they're getting told. So when the hubbub dies down, will they fall back on this excuse again? I don't think McIntyre will be holding his breath waiting for the data. The mentality amongst these scientists which has led to the circling of the wagons is so self-defeating. They complain that all these information requests are very time-consuming and that skeptics just want to find fault with their work. Then they say if they published their data and methods in the first place, people would have no need to make these requests. Skeptics do want to find fault. That much is true. That is how science is supposed to work. Each new theory or development only stands up as long as it withstands rigorous testing. So blocking access to data only achieves a slowing down of much needed progress in climate science. And it goes on and on and on. But, uh, yeah, don't hold your breath, basically, because uh, there's too much at stake here. Uh, it's not just the scientists. They were obviously taking orders from someone in a higher authority. And as I say, too, you have all these multinational, massive, big businesses um, all looking forward to all the... And they've already got lots of grants from governments already, but looking forward to the billions that will get doled out to them to go ahead and... Uh, and, and twaddle it down the sink basically as they pretend to look for alternatives to fossil fuel and another good article too is from Global Research November the 30th 2009 and it says more than 15,000 people will be gathering in Copenhagen for COP15 the 15th conference of the parties to the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change the UNFCCC I love all these abbreviations, the UNFCCC. This, this one article alone has a whole bunch of different, uh, uh, these alphabet soup agencies. But that's also to confuse the public. You, you, you give up generally halfway through something. Official delegations from 192 nations will mingle with representatives of major multinational corporations, including Royal Dutch Shell, British Petroleum, the representatives of environmental and civil society organizations will also be in attendance. There's links here to even more on who's attending, all the big corporations. Heads of state and heads of government are slated to be in appearance in the later part of the summit events. It's worth noting that the key decisions and orientations on COP15 had already been wrapped up at the World Business Summit on Climate Change. See, they're having World Business Summits, the big international boys, held in May in Copenhagen, six months ahead of COP15. Already, already done. So this World Business Summit on Climate Change brought together some of the world's most prominent business executives and world leaders, including Al Gore, who's he's already made a fortune off the, the carbon uh, trading, and UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon. Uh, the World Business Summit on Climate Change includes a webcast, which is the link for that's on here too. 
The results of these high-level consultations were forwarded to the Danish government as well as to the governments of participating member states. A so-called summary report for policymakers was drafted by PricewaterhouseCoopers, LLP, on behalf of the corporate executives participating in the events. Back with more on the bigwigs who are making millions of something that's still to go through after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix, reading an article to do with global warming again called Fixing the Climate Data Around the Policy. And uh, it's by Michael Trusadovsky. But it's interesting, too, to see the big power players that are attending this Copenhagen meeting, all the big business boys, and how they've had meetings before world business summits on climate change, and, and really basically come down to the, grass, the, the, the basic brass yeah, knuckles, as I say, as to who is going to divvy up what part of the, all the money is going to get thrown at them by governments. And, of course, I'm sure it's how much kickbacks or give to governments as well, because that happens. That's the real world we live in. That's how it really works. And it says here, The underlying ambition of the summit was to address the twin challenges of climate change and the economic crisis. Participants at the summit considered how these risks can be turned into opportunity. Boy, they're all using that, aren't they? They turn every crisis into opportunity. If business and governments work together, isn't, isn't fascism wonderful? And what policies, incentives and investments will most effectively stimulate low-carbon growth? And all the links, again, in, in detail are on this particular site. Since the agenda of the Copenhagen Climate Summit from the 7th to the 18th of December is upheld both by the governments, the business executives and the non-governmental organisation community. You know, all those Soviet boys that work for the foundations that are owned by the international bankers. This is so, uh, as one of the most significant gatherings in history has been called the most complex and vital agreement the world has ever seen. And I'm not kidding, it's true. CO2 emissions are heralded as the single and most important threat to the future of humanity. It's amazing they came up with global warming, then so I call it climate change number at CO2. The focus of the summit is on strictly environmental issues, no mention of the word war, that is, the US NATO led war and its devastating environmental consequences. No mention of the preemptive use of nuclear weapons as an instrument of peacemaking. No mention as part of an environmental debate of the radioactive fallout resulting from the Pentagon's humanitarian nuclear bombs. Tactical nuclear weapons, according to scientific opinion commissioned by the Pentagon, are safe for the surrounding civilian population. I guess that's why the think tank for NATO, and that's in my, my, my uh, archives part of the website, uh, when they came out that 90-page report of the future, they said they'd be using uh, basically tactical uh, field nuclear weapons, neutron bombs on big flash mobs in the upcoming riots and food riots they'd be expecting to happen from 2010 onwards. It goes on to say here, no mention of the weather, uh, warfare or environmental modification techniques 
called ENMOD and Climatic Warfare. No mention of the debate on climate change of the U.S. Air Force uh, 2025 project entitled Owning the Weather for Military Use. And so the links to all that here as well from the Air Force. They're already doing it and they have been for years. And I've seen the spraying going on. I mean, this is above all the cons that these other scientists were doing at the bottom level, convincing us of global warming. That's, they've actually been altering the atmosphere for quite some time and altering the weather. Despite a vast body of scientific knowledge, the issue of deliberate climatic manipulations for military use is no longer part of the UN agenda on climate change. I'd have suddenly forgot about that, even though uh, all the governments, and I think it was 1978, signed a treaty at the United Nations not to use weather warfare on each other. And they admitted in it what they could do then. They could cause tidal waves, tsunamis, they could cause earthquakes, they could uh, create um, tornadoes and hurricanes and floods or droughts. That was 1978. You don't sign these treaties unless you could already do it with the harp technology and the spraying in the skies. They'd already tested it out. Hmm. So, um, so uh, it says it was, however, part of the agenda of the 1992 Rio Air Summit. See Michael Chisodowski, Environmental Warfare and Climate Change, Global Research, 27th November 2005. See also Chisodowski, Weather Warfare Beware the U.S. military's experiments with climatic warfare, the ecologist, December 2007. CO2 is a logo which describes the worldwide crisis. No other variable is contemplated. Moreover, no meaningful anti-pollution clean air policy directed against CO2 emissions can be formulated as an objective in its own right because the reduction of CO2 emissions is subordinate to the global warming consensus. The words poverty and unemployment and disease resulting from a global economic depression are not a matter of emphasis because authoritative financial sources state unequivocally the economic recession is over. And that's what they're telling us. As folk are going under all the place, they're losing their homes. <laughs> they're telling us the economic recession is over. And the war in the Middle East and Central Asia is not a war but a humanitarian operation directed against terrorists and rogue states. The real crisis, the Copenhagen summit not only serves powerful corporate interests which have a stake in the global multi-billion dollar carbon trading scheme, it also serves to divert public attention from the devastating or the devastation resulting from the real crisis underlying the process of economic globalization and a profit-driven war without borders which the Pentagon calls the long war. And it's, remember, this is, uh, I read the article too from the military, from their own uh, magazine. Uh, it's called Perpetual War. We are at the crossroads of the most serious crisis in modern history. War and economic depression constitute the real crisis, yet both the governments and the media have focused their attention on environmental devastation resulting from CO2 emissions, which is upheld as the greatest threat to humanity. Then it goes on to the multi-billion dollar carbon trading system. It's a multi-billion money-making bonanza for the financial establishment. The stakes are extremely high and the various lobby groups on the behalf of Wall Street have already positioned themselves. According to a recent report, the carbon market could become double the size of the vast oil market. At, at least in the oil market, they had real oil what was getting traded. This is just nothing. Nothing. 
It's according to the new breed of city players who trade greenhouse gas emissions through the EU's emissions trading scheme. What a con, eh? The speed of, it's, like, it's like saying, how do you make a fishing net? Well, you pick up holes and, and you tie them together. Because this is crazy as this. The speed of that, that growth will depend on whether the Copenhagen summit gives a go-ahead for a low-carbon economy. But Ager says, whatever happens, schemes such as the ETS will expand around the globe. So, and that was an article too in the Guardian, carbon trading could be worth twice that of oil in the next decade. That was the Guardian 20th of November 2009. Now I've got Terry from Calgary hanging on the phone here, so I'll take Terry. Are you there, Terry? Yeah, I am, Ellen. How are you? Not too bad. Oh, good night to talk again. Ellen, I, I don't like to call too much because I like to try to think think for myself before I can come up with the answer, but I'm a little stymied on this one. Yep. I was listening uh, to Lord Moncton, and it re- reminded me of Sir James Goldsmith as well, who yep. came out and spoke against the GATT treaty in, in the 1994, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yep. And, and the question that, that keeps going through my mind is this. Um, you got Sir James Goldsmith and Lord Moncton, mm-hmm. who Sir James Goldsmith Uh, we'll never understand uh, the level uh, of um, machinations that these guys live in. It's way above us, way above us. Uh, these guys were brought up not just with silver spoons, but with gold spoons in their mouth. They all attended the, the best boarding schools that uh, the English upper class could offer. Uh, they're all guaranteed positions. They went through best, the best universities to the guaranteed positions in business. And uh, Sir James Goldsmith uh, was known as a corporate raider. He was one of the corporate raiders uh, who literally were going in during the junk bond uh, scandals. And uh, they were buying companies up, buying the shares of a company, uh, firing the the previous owner uh, who had less shares and and so on, and uh, taking them over, stripping them to the bone, and and then selling them off again and seeing they were efficient. Of course, they all collapsed like a deck of cards behind them. But this went on, and Sir James Goldsmith was one of them. He also was one of the guys who was highly competitive on behalf of Britain and his friends uh, in the oil industry. Uh, And these guys, as we know, were involved with the setting up of wars and all the rest of it for oil. Um, So we'll never know why, really, Goldsmith came out. But, yeah, they've got great um, oratory skills. that They're they're given this at the schools they attend. Uh, They're given a big vocabulary, which the ordinary people never even use, never even get a chance to use, never mind learn. And they're also taught debating and the art of, of speaking. So uh, they can present their, their facts very, very well. Moncton as well, uh, with Thatcher, uh, as I mentioned before, um, Thatcher was given uh, her shtick, which uh, they, they thought, well, she's got a degree in science. Um, let's use that, because another lord says, well, if you, you, other politicians, if they have no understanding of science, you can confuse them with any issue. 
by using scientific terminology they just go along with you and accept what you're saying so she became the champion uh, for at that time for global warming which had been had been heard by other people before and every meeting she went to for the EU and uh, the UN or wherever she'd always bring up that topic even though it wasn't the topic under discussion so it's odd that, that Moncton um, who again was a science advisor during uh, Thatcher's era uh, seemed to have gone along with it then uh, but now he's come out under the uh, as, as in opposition but we'll never understand really at that level what really goes on as out of our league you understand my thoughts are, I think, to Carol quickly, and he says, we will always provide you with the opposition. Well, they do. Um, they always do. And it's some odd legality of, uh, again, going through. Uh, it's like the presentation of uh, a, um, a Perry Mason show. Uh, the accused and the defendant and the, and, and the prosecutor uh, and so it, it's, it's a game in law, law is a game the same way but um, things are presented to the public in a legalistic fashion um, and future historians can then say well the public were told about this but they went along with it so they must have accepted it and really wanted it so that is a benefit for historians and children of, of the future yeah, children can look back and say well I guess it was a good thing because everybody went along, nobody complained, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ellen, uh, listen, I'm a little late on my uh, donations. You know, I like to give you a monthly donation. And uh, they're coming in the mail. Well, thanks very much. I'll let you uh, continue on your great talks. I appreciate that very, very much. Okay, Thank sir. you. Yeah, we, we, we live at a, a lower level of reality. We never know uh, what's going on. And um, we're kept in naivete, really, at, at the bottom level. And that's the media's job, too, is to keep us down and dumb, or else to motivate us to go along with some crisis and get shots for inoculations or, or whatever. Um, that's what the media is for. It's, the media is a middle man. They peddle the agenda to the public at the bottom. But we'll never know how it goes on at the top. The people who really think that governments are there to serve them are the most naive of all peoples. Governments are full of businessmen and psychopaths who get attracted into the big honeypots. All big projects today require grants from governments to get on the go. Whether it's, it's creation of roads or whatever, it's all government money and therefore these guys always get kickbacks for every grant they hand out there uh, that's, that's standard procedure they have shares in all the companies that get the contracts as well they say well we're not involved when we're in politics with, it, with our shares we don't know what's happening with them it's in the hands of our lawyers that's what they generally say they know darn well what's going on it's as corrupt as can be but it's always been that way always been that way and I can't see why it would change. Uh, another article I was reading today, too, was to do with the U.S. Um, contractors. Uh, there, there's, um, there's actually two contractors working in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, and two of, uh, to see, see employees, enemy of contractors, for every soldier that's there. Everything to do with running the U.S. military is contracted out. And it's a money pit where no one's taking account of the, the billions that's getting pumped into it. No one's keeping the books. They actually said they lost 20 odd billion bucks or something, and, and the Pentagon refuses to see even the inquiry into where it went. The scandals are horrific. Horrific.
and as long as people are profiting at this kind of level with, with billions of dollars off it they'll keep wars going as long as they can it, it's quite simple quite simple but um, here's another aspect of it too and it falls right in line with uh, Sir Crispin Tickle a guy as I say who's not very funny at all but uh, he's one of the heads of the Optimum Population Trust again another upper class guy who admits it so that they're all upper class whiteies he says in his group but uh, they're eugenicists they believe the right of the fittest to survive and of course they think they are because they have the most of the, of the goodies of the shares of the planet and uh, here's an article here to do with how, how eugenics ties in with global warming. The BBC uh, had this out on the 3rd of December. Meeting the demand for family planning in poor nations. Now when they say family planning, they also mean ab abortions and sterilizations. That's generally what they mean. This is a cheap and effective way to cut CO2 emissions, a new website initiative claims. The UK-based Optimum Population Trust, that's another uh, sir who, who will shortly be made a lord, and he's an advisor on the, British, the board of the British government, uh, says uh, fast rising population levels lead to growing emissions. See, so we all are you know, taking away their, their air, you see, for the, for the wealthy. We're, we're using up their, all as useless eaters are just swallowing up their air that they should be using. The website is urging wealthy people, listen to this one, the website is urging wealthy people to offset their own CO2 emissions by funding contraception programs. It says taking such action is better value than spending money on wind turbines, solar power or hybrid cars. Critics would argue that analysis is too simplistic, a BBC correspondent says. The BBC's environment analyst Roger Harriban says they could contend that reducing the, n the numbers of people born in the US would make a big difference in achieving reductions in CO2 levels. A correspondent added that carbon emissions from people in most of sub-Saharan Africa are so low that they can barely be counted. Now, you can't count the emissions, you see that even that's all misleading what they're, what they're counting is energy usage and, and then they convert it supposedly into emissions even that's a con according to the Optimum Population Trust every four pounds with eight bucks spent on family planning saves one tonne of CO2 how could they, you know oh the conology is at work, eh conology to the maximum for an agenda, back with more after this break I am Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. This other article is called Climate Gate. It's all unraveling now from the Telegraph at December the 2nd, 2009 by James Dellingpo. says Australia's Senate rejects emissions trading scheme for a second time. Expect to see a lot more of this. Politicians starting to become aware of their party's position on the anthropomorphic uh, global warming is completely out of kilter with the public mood and economic reality. Kevin Rudd's emissions trading scheme that for Australia, what Andrew Bolt calls a $114 billion green tax, that's what it cost Australia, 
if they'd gone through with it, on everything. We'd have wreaked havoc on the coal-dependent Australian economy. That's why several opposition liberal front benchers resigned rather than vote with the government on ETS. Why liberal leader Malcolm Turnbull lost his job and why the Senate voted down the ETS. Danes, Denmark caught fiddling their carbon credits. It says carbon's trading is the emperor's new clothes of international finance. Apparently were caught at it. It was invented by none other than Ken Lay, who's Enron. This is the guy who came up with the idea, right? For the carbon credits. Ken Lay from Enron. We know what honest guys those guys were, right? Would currently be one of the prime beneficiaries in the global alternative energy market if it hadn't been shown to be nearly as fraudulent as a current AGW scam. Is a license to fleece, cheat and rob still jolly embarrassing for the Danes to get caught red-handed, what with their hosting a conference shortly in which the world's leaders will try straight-faced to persuade us that carbon emissions trading is the only viable way of defeating man-bear-pig. Hats off to the Daily Express, the first British newspaper to make the AGW scam its front-page story. Yep, and it's all quite true. All quite true. But, you know, we'll come out of this too. We'll either be... They, they might play it down now, see, but we're not going to tax you all directly yet at Copenhagen. They might say, well, yeah, because of the scandal, we're going to lessen it and just put a, a flat tax of energy use on everything that's produced from carrots to, to whatever. As long as the UN gets it, that's, that's they've achieved their goal regardless. Then with the next one next year, or next summer at uh, Copenhagen, they'll amend it to go further. That's what they always do. There's too much money riding on all this for the big boys. Too much money. And they want to also have control over the whole world and everybody in it. It's a beautiful way to, to regulate society. Where to regulate you with an iron fist and you've all to become poor in the process by giving us more and more taxes to save the planet. To save you all. That's really what, what, it, what they're saying here. It's amazing how the boys at the top will become, the ones that are already billionaires, will become trillionaires after a few years as they reap the harvest of the con, the, the carbon con. Okay. And already, of course, they've gone ahead with things. The Mail Online is making a big deal about some smart meters going in because the government's passed a law there. Well, the smart meters for your electricity was already discussed by Maurice Strong uh, all back in the 80s when they put him at the head of Ontario Hydro, bring him, brought him from the United Nations, and he said we're going to cut all the power down in the future for the ordinary people, and uh, he says people will pay for all energy and taxes and so on. It was all planned at the Rio summit long before, in 92. Long, long before that. Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.